BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. I'm Kat Timpf. I'm Bill Hemmer. I'm Harris Faulkner. And this is the Fox News Rundown. Tuesday, September 5th, 2023. I'm Lisa Brady. While the Republican presidential field remains crowded, the president has many campaign surrogates, and some may be jockeying for position. I think it's it's still far more likely that Biden is, is, is running and doesn't face much competition. But there are a lot of governors that are not just governors, but a lot of candidates waiting in the wings in case that, that, that possibility opens itself up. I'm Alex Hogan. Chinese President Xi Jinping says he's not going to this year's G20 summit, but why? And could this lead to conflicts in the future? Things are not good between the United States and China right now. And this is another sign that uh, those relations are a frosty at the very least. And I'm Will Kane, and I've got the final word on the Fox News Rundown. There hasn't been a lot of this yet on the campaign trail. With Election Day and the presidential race still 14 months from today. We've got a fight in our hands. And my question to you is simple. Are you with me in this fight? That was President Biden kicking off his re-election campaign in June at a union hall in Philadelphia. But he's mainly been focused on presidential events, highlighting what he counts as legislative successes and an agenda he insists is building the middle class. While many Republican challengers have had a busy summer of campaigning, focusing heavily on early contest dates and what they would do differently on a wide variety of issues. When I am president, we will no longer give money to countries that hate America. Former U.N. ambassador and South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley has said after Labor Day is when voters start paying more attention and when her campaign would start ramping up spending. The entire GOP field hoping to gain ground on the frontrunner, former President Donald Trump, who still leads after four indictments and skipping the first GOP debate. Well, look, the, the main thing that Republican voters were paying attention to was the Fox debate, which which over 12 million people were watching. Fox News Radio political analyst Josh Crosshauer. And yes, Nikki Haley had probably the best debate performance of all the candidates on that stage. So, yes, I, you know, I don't know if people are watching politics closely even now because we're still quite a ways away from the first caucuses and primaries. But uh, look, she made the most of her moment. It's still a very challenging road for anyone uh, to take on Donald Trump. He's dominating the Republican primary field right now. But the way someone can defeat Trump is having a good debate performance, getting attention in the press on a positive way and consolidating the field of challengers. Uh, And uh, Haley did as well as you can expect and, and has gotten a lot of benefit and attention. A lot of more a lot more people are coming to her events in recent days. Uh, And that's as much as you can ask for after that one big debate. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis had some positive reviews from the debate as well and some better fundraising. Can that, combined with the recent shakeup and his campaign staff, help him to gain some more traction that he hadn't been finding yet in the polls? 
Yeah, well, he accomplished what he was trying to do at the debate, which is get his talking points that he is a, a effective conservative leader in a big state like Florida a, across. And he certainly showed his policy chops and didn't get attacked pretty much by by most of the candidates. So by that measure, it was a, a successful night, though I don't think he got as much of a bump as as a Haley, but he did he did pretty well. Um, I think the bigger opportunity for him has been his leadership during the the most recent hurricane, uh, which is a showcase of his strongest asset as a politician, his ability to lead in, in, in a very important battleground state like Florida. The White House continues to face questions about the president's age, while a growing number of Democratic governors not only campaign as surrogates for the president, but also appear at other events around the country. Are they looking ahead to 2028 or trying to wait in the wings potentially for 2024? I think 2028 is the is the most sensible play. But Joe Biden is 80 years old and there's a lot of worry, especially among voters, that he's too old to be president. And the longer we get into 2023 and, and Joe Biden is clearly looking like the nominee for the Democrats, he look, clearly intent to run for reelection. It's looking less likely that we're going to have some type of shakeup. But, you know, all you have to do is look at uh, Senator Mitch McConnell uh, having a, a really serious health scare. Thank goodness. It seems like he got a clean bill of health. But, you know, he's 81 years old. Joe Biden is 80 years old. And there is going to constantly be a question whether Joe Biden is the best choice to be the Democratic Party standard bearer. When you look at his poll numbers, when you look at the the widespread voter concern about his age, and it's going to come up until the filing deadlines and you know, up until the last minute where, you know, there's any opportunity for candidates to run against him. Uh, look, I, I think it's it's still far more likely that Biden is, 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 is running and doesn't face much competition. But there are a lot of governors that are not just governors, but a lot of candidates waiting in the wings in case that 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 possibility opens itself up. The time is running out. But if you're Gavin Newsom, if you're Gretchen Whitmer, uh, if, if you're someone who is looking for a possible promotion, uh, you know, they, they look at the same polls we do. And Joe Biden is facing very, very widespread concerns about his age and health. You mentioned the California governor there and the Michigan governor. What about the Maryland governor, Wes Moore? He's getting attention. Some pundits call him the next big star of the Democratic Party, potentially Afghan war veteran, a Rhodes Scholar, former CEO, first black governor of Maryland. How does he stay on a positive path? Well, he's a rising star, certainly within the party, but he's only been governor of Maryland for less than a year. And it's a it's a very thin resume to pivot into running for the presidency, at least in 2024. Maybe in 2028, he, he's a much more credible candidate. But if you're someone like Wes Moore or even like a Josh Shapiro, who's the very popular governor, moderate governor of Pennsylvania, the biggest challenge that they would face is uh, why, why, you know, how do you have the experience after only serving one year as governor? And Frankly, is it a sign of good judgment that you're leaving your state uh, up for grabs at a time for your own personal ambition? How do rising stars in a political party get introduced to the American people in this day and age? Does it happen organically or are they made by the parties? 
It's a, well, much less being made by the parties the, the, these days. The parties have a lot less power and a lot less ability to set the their own agenda than 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 that has been the case ever before. Um, so really, it's taking the opportunity to capitalize on a viral moment to make make a name for yourself in a particularly successful campaign. Ron DeSantis, you know, we, he won by almost twenty points in a huge swing state like Florida. That that's the kind of event that can get you on the political map. Um, but you know, like Chris Christie is, is 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 someone who comes to mind. He's running now, but he his moment was really in 2012. Uh, he decided not to run for president back then, but he was one of the most popular governors in America. He was making sound bites that made Republicans extremely excited. He was in a way he was Donald Trump before Trump, and being able to capture a kind of a populist a moment where he would go after the elites and go after a lot of left wing groups. Uh, but he decided not to run, and then he had scandal, and and then he lost his opportunity, his window for for when his political popularity was at its peak. Um, so that's also important. Not knowing like to jump in the race, knowing if you're Barack Obama, maybe you don't have a ton of experience, but you know that there's an opportunity, and you should take it. Um, so ultimately. It's kind of like, uh, you know, a lot of actors in Hollywood find that they're very, very famous and they get the attention for a few years and then the attention moves on to someone else. And it's the same in politics where, you know, a lot of politicians get that viral moment, have that big election. uh, But ultimately, it's hard to sustain over the long term. President Biden does have two Democratic challengers for 2024. His campaign has been rejecting calls to debate in a Democratic primary. Could that backfire? Look, I think it would be beneficial for him to be challenged and show he can kind of debate in preparation for a debate against Donald Trump or a debate against any other Republican challenger. Uh, That's going to be a big question mark when we get into the general election. But look, Robert Kennedy Jr. is much more popular with Republicans than he is with Democrats these days. His, His numbers with Democrats, very, very low. You know, Marianne Williamson is kind of a fringe candidate herself. They're not getting a whole lot of support within the party. The only reason that they're getting votes is because there is a set element of the party that wants someone other than Joe Biden. You know, it doesn't mean that Kennedy or Williamson are serious candidates. So, you know, look, I, I think uh, Biden is pretty smart not to debate you know, candidates that are not really in the mainstream of the Democratic Party. You know, if Gavin Newsom or Gretchen Whitmer decided to jump in the, the race and, and wanted to, to, to run a serious campaign, uh, I think he would be pressured to actually debate and actually run a, a real race. At least one of the Republican candidates has said that Donald Trump is actually giving some cover to President Biden on this issue by not showing up for the first GOP debate and maybe more. Um, you know, is, is that a legitimate argument? Yeah, I mean, look, primary debates are different. I mean, you historically, at least in modern history, you have had those big three debates between the two candidates of both parties. And and, and, and that, it's a very serious moment where many, many millions of Americans are watching. So usually there's a bigger cost to skipping the debate in a general than it is in a primary. But look, Donald Trump, we didn't we didn't have one of the debates last time. And, and Trump has also threatened to kind of not not participate in the debates if the rules don't go like if he doesn't like some of the some of the ground rules for those debates. So I think we're in sort of uncharted territory where I don't know if we can count on the same number of debates and the same same type of debates we've had for the general elections in the past. One other question about the president. He, he has not wavered in his support of Vice President Kamala Harris. Would it be worse for him to make a change than to stick by someone that critics love to pan as a liability for him. Well, it's a really tough situation for the Democratic Party and for the for Biden himself in that 
there are a lot of Democrats that would rather go with the known known in that Joe Biden is old and he's his numbers are not great. They're not very good, actually. They're, they're underwater, almost as, as weak as Donald Trump's. And yet there's a worry that both Kamala Harris is even weaker of a candidate. And and if, if, if it was an open race for the Democratic nomination, it would just be an ugly ideological civil war between Kamala Harris and, you know, what, you know, all the names you met, we've talked about Gretchen Whitmer, Gavin Newsom. It would be it would be a, a messy primary and it would be a centered on identity politics and it would just be very ugly. And the cost of having such a messy primary might actually not might actually be worse than just having Biden run for reelection. That that was the thinking, at least um, for most Democratic strategists I've talked to for for quite some time. I am hearing a little bit more that Democrats are looking at Joe Biden's very underwater numbers, very poor numbers and very serious worries about that age and, and his health issues or health concerns about his health as an 80 year old. And maybe it's worth taking a gamble. Maybe it's worth seeing what would happen um, if there was another Democrat running. But the problem is you can't just pick another. If you like Gretchen Whitmer, she's still got to win a primary. She's still got to appeal to some of the most progressive elements of the of the party. And any any messy primary would really hurt the Democratic Party writ large. One other thing I wanted to ask you, is there one issue that's taking center stage so far for Democrats or Republicans? Well, I mean, look, the one issue uh, every election, the economy is, is usually at the top of everyone's minds. And uh, that's very true right now, where they, I think there's some good, encouraging macroeconomic data uh, signs that we're not in as bad of a or we're not in a recession and we're not in as bad of a inflationary spiral as some people were worrying about. At the same time, most people are don't view the economy positively and uh, and 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 think that you know inflation is still a major issue and 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 people are still struggling to make ends meet and there's a lot of anxiety rippling throughout the country over over their economic situation. So yes, there are a lot of other issues that are being talked about, but the one common thread that Republicans and Democrats alike are going to have to focus on is is the economy. Fox News Radio political analyst Josh Crosshauer, thank you so much for your time. Thanks. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This is Will Kane with your Fox News commentary coming up. Just days ahead of the G20 summit in India, Chinese President Xi Jinping says he's not going. These 19 countries at this setting for international economic cooperation represent about 85% of the global GDP and more than 75% of global trade. So sitting it out is a big deal. Here's National Security Council spokesperson John Kirby. I think if you look at the agenda on the G, uh, what we're focusing on at the G20, there's a stake in there for the PRC in every, in every major focus area, whether it's climate, whether it's multilateral development and banks and investment opportunities, um, as well as, quite frankly, the G20 itself will be on the agenda. The Where is the G20 going as a forum to improve economic cooperation and prosperity opportunities around the world? So 
There's an awful lot there that we believe uh, President Xi uh, would have a stake in. The G20 summit starts on the 9th of September. Premier Li Jiang is expected to travel to Delhi in place of Xi. But what might the Chinese president's absence reveal about the country's state of affairs and their relationship with the U.S. and our allies? The thing is, Alex, we don't know exactly why, because basically they didn't even say officially that President Xi was not coming. But we know pretty much that he's not coming, that the premier of China, Li Kang, will be representing China. This is Greg Palcott, Fox senior foreign affairs correspondent. It's a blow to a couple of people in a couple of different countries. I would say India first. Uh, this is a setback for India. It is hosting the G20. So to not have the big player, China, there at the table with their leader is a problem. Why is he doing this? Why is he upset with India? Well, they, there's a couple of reasons, really. They have trouble along the border. There's been a dispute for decades concerning India and China over tens of thousands of square miles of territory. That's been popping up. Also, in general, India is on the way up. It is now a number one population in, in the world. It is, economy is swelling up as well. And it's making a little bit of nice to uh, the West and to the United States. And I think for those reasons, number one, India is getting uh, rebuffed by uh, China, by President Xi not going. Do you think that this decision not to go to the summit, is this really going to create waves given how many other world leaders will be there? Will this create problems or is this simply a snub? It's a snub, but I think it will cause waves because uh, China is, uh, you know, one of the big elephants in the room when it comes to global players. I think uh, the other uh, country that is snubbed. The other person that is snubbed is the United States and President Biden. President Biden had said in, in, in the past that he was hoping to see President Xi maybe on the sidelines of this summit, but uh, things are not good between the United States and China right now. And this is another sign that uh, those relations are frosty at the very least. Yeah, well, let's get into some of those reasons. As you mentioned, a lot of tension right now between Washington and Beijing. Let's list off some of the main reasons that we're looking at. Of course, there's a multitude of reasons that we could break down, but some of the main ones that politicians in the U.S. are really taking issue with politicians in Beijing right Certainly now. Certainly uh, the economy, number one. Yeah. I mean, uh, the, the uh, trade barriers, the tariffs uh, uh, going back and forth. Uh, uh, China is uh, enemy number one in the economic sphere for Washington, for President Biden right now. And that is a real a problem. Number two is the uh, strategic issues, the problems that they are creating in, in the Pacific with uh, glomming onto various bits of maritime territory and the big threat against Taiwan and a possible invasion. Uh, both strategic and, uh, and economic, uh, are, it's a real problem for the United States right now. The United States has been trying to uh, cozy up back again with China to some degree, with officials going there. But in fact, uh, that's the big official, uh, President Xi, for at least this time around, uh, will not be seeing President Biden. Another big concern in the U.S. is China's relationship with Russia amid the war in Ukraine. But it is worth noting, on the other hand, that throughout all of this, China argues that the U.S. is being antagonistic by creating its own relations with 
neighbors of China and the region trying to assert its influence around the world. That, of course, is China's perspective. What do you think U.S. politicians are saying in response to that? Well, I mean, I think the, Ukraine is playing a big role in this one way or another. I mean, uh, President Xi and uh, President Putin, who I think we'll talk about, will also not be present at this summit, will, are, are making nice. There are no direct uh, uh, flow of uh, military uh, aid from China to Russia in its war with Ukraine, but they haven't been uh, spurning them either. Mm. And so the issue, the, the war in Ukraine is, is a big one uh, for, uh, it could be for G20 and it could be in other settings. I think an important point to make about China is it wants to set the agenda. It wants to decide how it relates to countries and how it relates to alliances. Just last month we saw a thing called the BRICS, that's the uh, developing countries including uh, countries like uh, China and India and uh, in South Africa and uh, President Xi went to that because he, he liked that setting and from a political and economic standpoint he could, he could really be uh, a top dog on that in his own sphere and even expanded that for the future. But G20 leans a little bit more towards the West, towards the United States, in a direction that uh, President Xi doesn't necessarily want to go. Definitely seeking potentially a warmer welcome by going to some of those places, as you mentioned, South Africa, recently visiting Saudi Arabia, even going to Russia, as we mentioned, those relations with Russian President Vladimir Putin, not going to the summit. Can you tell us why? Yeah, mm -hmm. uh, Russian President Putin is a uh, is a uh, war criminal in, in, in the eyes of many. His travel, his movements, uh, could open him up theoretically, technically, to uh, to arrest. In reality, it wouldn't happen. But uh, in fact, that's why uh, President Putin did not go to South Africa. That's why, yes, he is the the other big no-show for the G20 summit this this coming weekend. We won't see him there again. He. He's got the war in Ukraine. He's got he he too has his own agenda, and he he too wants to uh, set out his own stall in his own way. But he's being basically forced into it. In the in, in the case of Chinese President Xi, he, he's making the choices. Now, as far as what we will hear in the coming days from the U.S. perspective, over the weekend we heard U.S. President Joe Biden say, quote, I am disappointed, but I'm going to get to see him. There's still no word exactly on when that meeting would take place, is there? There's some inkling that it might be, although I find it possibly uh, hard to believe as well, might be in San Francisco in November mm -hmm. with the APEC nations. This is the, the Asia Pacific Rim organization of countries and and President Xi is invited as are all the leaders of all the countries and most of them we are pretty sure will be going to uh, San Francisco which is hosting this and and so far President Xi and China has not said that they're not going, but they've even been hinting that unless sort of the United States uh, gets in line a little bit with its relationship with China, that uh, it might take be a no-show for that as well. And that would be a super rebuff for uh, for United States, for President Biden, and for uh, incorporating China into the Western world at least, or at least the allies, the United States. So looking at potentially China not coming to that summit, China already making news this week that they will not be attending, at least President Xi Jinping will not be attending the G20 summit. 
Do you think that there is one clear message that Xi Jinping is trying to send out? Is it simply that he is trying to take the reins and call the shots of when he will or will not be attending these summits and the power that that carries with that attendance? Or is there some other meaning here that we should be reading into? Yeah, there's one more thing that people are talking about. Things are not fantastic in China right now mm -hmm. uh, in terms of the economy, uh, issues uh, regarding uh, real estate, uh, a debt, uh, a slowdown of the economy. There are a lot of domestic issues on the boil for him. I, I don't think he would like to admit that this is limiting his movements, but it's another good excuse for him to say, hey, listen, I can't go to all these Western-oriented uh, confabs. I, I, I've got to put my own country first. So I, I think he, he, on several different fronts, he can explain his, his actions. Uh, but in fact, people who study China pretty closely say that in, in some ways, uh, President Xi is is not in the best of places right now. His, his long run as president uh, dominating the, the political and economic scene is hitting at least a couple of uh, road bumps right now. Greg, I love talking to you about these types of topics because you've not only reported on so many of these stories around the world, but you've actually been to countries all around the world for decades talking about these kinds of matters of extremely important international significance. So looking at this and as we look forward at the growing tension between the U.S. and China, the U.S. and Russia and South Korea, North Korea, the tensions that we're seeing there with the recent U.S. military drills, with all of this in mind, is there anything that you have as a takeaway of what we should look at as we look at these global meetings of G20 leaders coming together? Is this something that we continually see, these tensions that ebb and flow, or is this a matter that could concerns you more than stories you've seen in the past. Yeah, no, I, I think it is an issue. I, I think uh, are we going into the second Cold War, which is kind of the, the, the common uh, cliche around uh, uh, with frictions with uh, with Russia and uh, the larger frictions, really, the, the longer range problems that we see with China. Uh, this is a challenge absolutely for the United States and, and how it can deal with it. With Russia, it was a little bit easier because in, in Cold War One, because we we could shut them out in, in many different ways. But in China is so incorporated in so much of the global economy. This is, a, in some ways, a more difficult challenge for the United States now than what we faced uh, in those very very tricky years in, in the 50s and 60s and, and 70s dealing with with uh, Russia. So I think uh, the United States has its hands full. And uh, it doesn't matter who's in the White House, but there's a lot of challenges. Greg Palcott, our senior foreign correspondent here in the London Bureau, sitting in studio with me to talk about all of this. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you, Alex. got another day of NBA action. And with FanDuel, every night is a watch party. So it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. So, what's the move tonight, gang? You know that new customers who bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Woohoo! We're heating up, fam. Bet all the stars with all your friends and make every moment more only on FanDuel. New customers bet $5, get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Make every moment more with FanDuel. It goes down in the field. It goes down. Go down in the field. 
21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus vest that expires seven days after receipt. See full terms at fanduel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Listen to the all-new Brett Bear podcast featuring Common Ground, in-depth talks with lawmakers from opposite sides of the aisle, along with all your Brett Bear favorites like his all-star panel and much more. Available now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. It's time for your Fox News commentary. Will Kane. What's on your mind? This is what I do. At the end of every season, I am filled with pessimism that some would call realism. Will's finally seen the light. He understands the Texas Longhorns and the Dallas Cowboys and Dak Prescott are recipes for failure. But this is what I do. It's a new season. It's time for optimism. My Super Bowl picks, the Dallas Cowboys, take on the Kansas City Chiefs. This year in the NFL, and my college football playoff predictions include Georgia, Michigan, Florida State, and the University of Texas. I'll lay it all out for you, the whys. And plus, we'll try to explore the why is it the way he is, the why of Keith Oberman. Subscribe and download the Will Kane Podcast. You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. And now, stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen ad-free on Fox News Podcasts Plus on Apple Podcasts. And Prime members can listen to the show ad-free on Amazon Music. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Janice Dean, Fox News Senior Meteorologist. Be sure to subscribe to the Janice Dean Podcast at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And don't forget to spread the sunshine.